0: Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church.
1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Ozaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And today we continue in this series from Pastor Sean called Rethinking Impossible. And no matter what is happening in the economy... Money and finances are the top stressors facing most Americans. So how should faith impact our relationship to money? And what can we do to find freedom to pursue that which matters most? The message today is called Impossible Provision. Here's Pastor Sean Azaro. It's time for Real Life Radio.
0: What if finances were never supposed to be a hindrance? What if what Jesus is really trying to to teach you? I mean, imagine that moment. Now, Matthew never actually tells us the kind of follow-up on the story, Right. He, he doesn't tell us, okay, and Peter ran out and did it, and wow, there it was just as he said. But if it didn't happen, this would be the dumbest story in the Bible. Okay? So it obviously happened, right? He tells the story because it happened. Imagine that moment. Peter, he's a fisherman. Jesus asked him to go do one of the dumbest things anyone's ever asked him to do. He goes, he usually uses nets because he's fishing for large quantities, but no, this is a fish. Throws the hook out, pulls it up, opens up, there's a coin in the fish's mouth. Stop and think about it. What was the miracle even? Did Jesus know there was a fish who swallowed a coin and had it? In, was that the miracle? Did Jesus actually have the fish go find a coin? I mean, it's like, wow, we don't even know exactly what he did. All we know is he said, there will be a fish. It will have a coin. It will be enough. And stop and imagine, what did Peter understand when he pulled that coin out? What did he understand about Jesus. What did he understand about provision? What did he understand about those critics pressing them for the tax? What what did this moment mean? Maybe money was never supposed to be the hindrance that we allow it to be. Maybe it was never supposed to be an obstacle that kept us from obedience or kept us from living real life. Maybe it was never supposed to... And Jesus is illustrating that loud and clear. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Because this is what I think he's trying to say. Freedom has nothing to do with how much you make and everything to do with how much you trust. Freedom has nothing to do with how much you make and everything to do with how much you trust. We live in a culture that says, well, but if I get this much, then I won't have to worry anymore and I'll be free. And it's always more than what we have now, right? Remember when you used to say, if you could ever make the money that you're making today, you'd have it made? Well, do you feel like you have it made now? Have you arrived? Are you done? No, especially people who are at higher income levels. You understand the risk and the potential and the problem of being broke at a higher level. But we live in this culture that says, i got to have more. By the way, who said? Where's that written down? Where's that law? It's not in the Bible. We think if I'm going to be an okay person, I have to have more five years from now than I have today. If somehow I have less, it's been a bad five years. Who says? But that's, that shades our whole view of things. If I have this much, then I'll be okay. I won't have to worry. I'll be free. What if he wants you to stop worrying and to be free right now? Thought about that? What if it has nothing to do with more income, but instead more trust? What if freedom is found in more trust? Jesus illustrated this pretty powerfully to his disciples when he, at a certain point, probably about halfway through their ministry, maybe a little more even, he called the twelve together. This is Luke chapter 9, and we begin reading at verse 1. It says, He called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons, the spirits that were tormenting people, and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God to heal. So what he did is he gave them what God, what Father had given him. And they'd seen him do this. And he's saying, right now, I give you that power and authority. You've seen me have that power and authority and exhibit that, guys. But now, now it's all you. I'm giving you that and I'm sending you out to do what you've seen me. And I'm not going with you. I'm staying here, but you're going. And then he said to them, gives them some instructions. Verse 3, take nothing for your journey. No staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. And do not even have two tunics, two changes of clothes. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. Whatever they do, and wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So Jesus gathers this guys. So you guys have seen me do this. You know the power and authority. Well, I'm just giving that to you. And he gives them the power and authority to bring wholeness and healing and pro- proclaim the message of the gospel. Do you know what he doesn't give them? Anything else. Anything else. He says, take absolutely nothing for the journey. I would not have liked that at all. I'm a chronic overpacker. Seriously, if I go, I never use everything I put in my suitcase. But I have it, and it comforts me. I find a strange comforting knowledge that if I wanted that shirt, it was there for me. I don't care if I brought more shirts than days I'm going to be gone. What if I get stuck? What if my plane gets canceled? I always like to have cash. Because you never know. You can't trust a bank card. What if the apocalypse comes? I'll need cash. I like to be prepared. It's a true story. I I I wish I was kidding. I like to be prepared. Okay, so I overpack. I never wear everything I pack. It's just a thing. Jesus is telling them, bring nothing. Stay wherever you find to stay, and if they receive you, great. If they don't, then just shake the dust off and move on. Go to the next place. See, here's a question. Do you think that Jesus could have just given them the money for everything they needed? Here, guys, here's your little envelope. This is your per diem. Okay, each one. There you go. Could he have done that? Yes, he could have just sent them fishing. Guys, go fishing. There's money in all these fishes, mouths. Just go, just go get some fish. But he didn't. Because he wasn't just teaching them the power and the authority of the kingdom, although that was a powerful message. He was teaching them to walk in the freedom of the kingdom by learning to trust in him for daily provision. Even when you're taking nothing with you, but guys, I already know where you're going to be. I already know what you're going to need. I'm going to be there for you. Just go in Freedom. Wow. I just want to say, this is not a message. This is primarily about biblical finances here. Okay? If you're looking for something like that, some biblical principles of finances, um, a few months ago, we did a series called, uh, re, um, oh, what was the series on wisdom? What did I call it? Reflections on wisdom. Yeah, that was it. I got a good memory. <laughs> called reflections on wisdom and we did one on wisdom and wealth and that had some just an overview of some healthy biblical principles uh, on finances this really isn't this is about trust this is fundamentally a message on trust because jesus was trying to teach his disciples and he's trying to teach us there's something of a freedom in learning to trust i want to give you four principles real quickly to build trust And they come in the form of two stops and two starts, okay? I'm going to share with you two stops and two starts. First, stop. Stop letting the world tell you what you need. That's the first principle of trust. Stop letting the world tell you what you need. This gets us into trouble every time. When we let the world tell us what we need, it screws us up. Don't let the world pressure you into bondage. Some of you are here today, right now, and you are in financial bondage because you were pressured by a world that told you you got to have this. I can't even read a news story without a pop-up coming up with an ad on something I gotta have. I gotta have it. Oh, what, what would happen if I didn't have it? I don't know, but it would be terrible. I gotta live in that, but if I don't live there, then I'm a loser. If I live, stay living where I am, I'm just not successful. Oh, I, got, I better drive that because people, look at how people will respect me if I drive that. Look at that guy. He must be awesome. Look at the car he drives. I mean, we're laughing, but it's true all the time. It's a barrage advertising, pressures from upbringing, pressures from, from people wh- who we work with. It's just everywhere. If you don't have this, you're missing it. I'm telling you, that is messed up. And we've got to stop. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. Now, he's warning against false teachers. And these false teachers were trying to teach that if you would embrace godliness, you would financially really do well. You know, and by the way, that false teaching has never stopped. It always crops its head up in the church. Because, by the way, that's an easy message to teach. You want to pack a place out? Tell people God's going to make all of us rich. Okay? In fact, next week, I'm going to teach a sermon on how God's going to make everyone rich. Bring your friends. Okay? I'll bet we pack this place out. The problem is it's just not true. God never promises that. But even back in the first century, there are people kind of trying to use that to try to entice people. And Paul warns against it. He says in verse 6 of 1 Timothy 6, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we could take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. By the way, verse 9 there, that could be a seminar on American life. The most prosperous nation ever to, to grace the planet. In that verse, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, a snare, senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. We've all seen it. We've seen it time after time. Verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. The concept here that is so powerful, this is the biblical center when it comes to finances, and it is contentment. It is this idea of contentment. Some people have taught that, man, if you want to experience fullness, if you have real faith, you're going to be rich, and God wants everyone to be rich. I just want to say That's just not biblical. But I've heard the other side, too. Some people say, well, if you're going to be a real follower of Jesus, you're going to be poor, because everybody who follows God has to be poor. And I'm just saying, that's not biblical either. What is biblical, what the biblical center on finances is, is contentment. Wherever you are, be content. That's what the scripture teaches. And let me just say, this is one of the greatest gifts in the scripture, because if you stop and think about what contentment means, we're all rich, because we got enough. Isn't that what contentment means? You know, we all have this place where we say, well, when I arrive here, then I'll have arrived. Contentment means I've already arrived. And I'm here to tell you, you've arrived. Congratulations.
1: We want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in this series called Rethinking Impossible as found on the sermons page at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
0: Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
1: And back to the message, Impossible Provision. This is Real Life Radio.
0: Contentment means I don't need more. I'm good to go. And imagine the freedom in that place of contentment. But we live in a culture that screams at us, got to have more, got to have more, got to have more. When you stop and think about it, when you really start walking contentment, it is amazing how little we actually need. Paul used the phrase food, clothes, food, and clothes. If you have that, you have enough. And I don't even mind saying, okay, clothing. Some people said that's covering. I don't even mind saying a house, a place to lay your head. I'm going to even add to it more, okay? And I'm not adding to the scripture here, but I'm just saying I don't, I don't feel too presumptuous if I ask God for food, clothes, a house, and reliable transportation to get to work or whatever God has me to do, wherever he needs me to be. Whether that's public transportation, whether that's a beater, uh, you know, God doesn't owe me a really nice car, but I do feel like if God wants me to get, you know, somewhere, then he needs to get me there. Okay? And I don't feel any... Here's the thing. Stop and think about all the financial pressures we have. Very few of them are over those things. Very few of us are here saying, oh, man, I've had financial pressure, and it's because of the food. It's the food thing. I just... And I, I just want to say... Sometimes if it is, you're like, man, there are people in here struggling to buy groceries. I'm telling you, I, I, we started this ministry working primarily with inner city poor here in San Antonio. Uh, food was not the issue. I knew people who said, oh, yeah, that's the issue, that's the issue. They were on all kinds of, they had all kinds of government assistance and huge flat screen TVs, way better than mine. You know, DVD collection that I couldn't even imagine. Entertainment system, stuff of mine. I'm like, yeah, I don't know that food's really the problem. And, you know, I wasn't sitting in judgment of them because, I mean, I look at my own financial stuff and I'm going, yeah, food's not the problem. But imagine the freedom and the power that is ours when we begin to walk and we stop letting the world tell us what we need. And we start saying, Lord, you promised to meet our needs and keep those actual needs and be content with what we have. Freedom has nothing to do with how much you make and everything to do with how much you trust. Second, stop limiting God to human solutions. So the second stop is stop limiting God to human solutions. And this one annoys me. People expect, okay, if God's going to do it, it has to make perfect sense by us and be exactly the way that the experts say it should be done. That's just ridiculous. Mark 9, 23. You remember when that father said, if you can do anything, and his son is, from last week, his son was possessed. If you can do anything, and Jesus says, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Are you willing to believe that God, if if he leads you somewhere, that he can meet your needs no matter what, and that he can meet them in the most creative ways? I mean, if God needs to have a fish jump out of your freezer with a $100 bill in his mouth, God can do that. He's God. I'm serious. Ev- I mean, that's the lesson that we're to be, be drawing here. God is immensely creative. There have been a couple times in my life, and God has asked us to walk through a faith journey, and there have been a couple times in, in my life where God has, has actually had us do something, take a risk financially, or do something, give something to someone or something, and now we're like, okay, well, but how are we going to make ends meet God? And a check came in the mail. And that's always awesome. You know, you needed $462, and exactly $462 came in the mail, and that's awesome. But most often, that's not what happened. Most often, it's just somehow things worked out, and I don't really know how, because the math doesn't work. Somehow, I, I did what God asked me to do, and I clearly didn't have enough money to get to the end of the month, and yet we did, and we were fine. The thing that we thought was going to break down, and we were prepared to have to fix. We didn't have to fix. And so there's $400 saved, and look, we needed $400. Thank you, Lord. God is immensely creative. Stop limiting him to what the, quote, experts say. He is God. His ways are higher than ours. Do not restrict him to human solutions. If God said it, he can and he will do it. The question is, what do we really believe? Do we take this faith of ours seriously? Freedom has nothing to do with how much you make and everything to do with how much you trust. Number three, start. Okay, here's the two starts. Start taking all your financial decisions to Jesus. All of them. Start taking all of your financial decisions to Jesus. This is the true idea behind stewardship. Okay? We understand that stewardship is caring for something that belongs to someone else. And we understand that it's all God's. It was here before us. It's going to be here after us. We are stewards. Everything's a 70, 80, 90. However long we live, it's a loan. Right. We understand the idea of stewardship, but we have put onto that the idea that it's caring for something of someone else's because they're not there. And so we're kind of on our own doing it. You're like, well, it's a parable of talents. You know, they left the money and then the master went away. The difference is, okay, and the illustration breaks down a little bit because the reality in our situation of stewardship is the one who we're stewarding things for, he's omnipresent. His spirit dwells in us. So when I am saying everything I have belongs to God and I am a steward of it, I can turn to him at any moment. Lord, what do you want to do with your stuff? Lord, your car's broken down. What do you want to do about it? When it's broken down, it's his car. When it's working fine, it's my car. But when it's broken down, Lord, your car's screwed up. What do you want to do about it? Lord, there's a problem at your house. Lord, your retirement account is not looking good. <laughs> The reality is we can go to him with all those things and start taking your financial decisions to Jesus. I challenge and encourage you. Start talking to him. Make this a regular part. This is the idea. Our needs were given to us. Please hear this. Our needs were given to us to draw us to him. Sadly, one of the great ironies is our needs are often the very thing that draws us away from him. That's what idolatry is all about, meeting our needs somewhere else. Our needs were placed in us including our financial needs, to draw us to Father. It's supposed to be something that causes us to go to him and receive from him. I love this passage, 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Do you know that? He doesn't want you bearing this burden alone. He doesn't want you walking through this alone. He wants to talk to you about it. He wants you to bring those needs to him. Start taking all of your financial decisions to Jesus. You'll be amazed at the creative things he'll lead you to do. You'll be amazed at the provision he'll bring. Include him in that. That's one of the core ideas behind freedom. Freedom has nothing to do with how much you make and everything to do with how much you trust. Last thing. I'll wrap with this. Start practicing financial faith. Start practicing financial faith. And note the word practice. This is very important. I want you to hear this because it takes practice faith is like a muscle that has to be built you have to practice financial faith and that begins right now that begins today that begins by saying okay lord i'm going to begin getting my finances in order first and foremost by trusting you i'm not going to let the world tell me what i need i'm going to start listening to you. i'm not going to restrict you lord to human solutions i'm going to take my financial Questions, needs, concerns, my financial affairs, Lord, I'm going to bring them before you. And Lord, what do you think? That's a fi- step of financial faith. I believe you. When God begins to say, when you know God's asking you to do something, and you go, but God, I don't know that I can afford it. And, I, and you, you know, he wakes you up, and I'm thinking about that person who has a need, and I know I'm supposed to do something about it. God's asking you to do but God, if I do that, I won't have enough. God's asking right in that moment to say, do you trust me? That's an opportunity to take a step of financial faith. Okay, God, I don't know how I'm going to finish out the month, but I'm going to do what you asked me to do. And watch what he does. Remember, we're responsible for the obedience. He's responsible for the outcome. That's how we practice financial faith. We have this regular thing. We talk about it, folks. You know, we believe in the tithe, the giving of a tenth of our income to the ministry that God has placed as part of. it. It's a tithe. It's a biblical principle. Before the law, in the New Testament, we talk about this idea of the tithe and the principle behind it. And you read Malachi chapter 3. The principle behind it is God is promising, I will bless you more on the 90% than you could do on 100%. And you've got to decide if you believe that. That's the idea behind the tithe. And it is an opportunity every time you get paid to practice faith and to practice trust. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Remember? Because it, it's an odd phrase. Well, he says it. Where well, your treasure is, there your heart will be. In other words, when, when I give my treasure, I'm, I'm having a chance to train and discipline my heart in faith. I'm practicing faith. And let me just say, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a believer, and you're not tithing, you are practicing financial unbelief. You are every paycheck training your heart to doubt, training your heart to trust you and money more than you trust Father. That's what you're training and you, you do understand the power of, of money, right? That's why the Bible talks so much about money. Why does the Bible talk so much about money? Because we care about it, because it's how we meet, meet our needs, and therefore it is very closely connected to our worship. The beauty of money stuff, folks, it's math. It is so powerful in building our faith because it's math. The minute I, for example, begin to tithe, it, I know I'm... I'm pretty good at math. 90% is always less than 100%, okay? See how good I am at math? 90% is less. But what do I do when God goes ahead and takes 90% then and makes it more than 100%? And I realize, wow, I, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm still able to meet all my needs and I had some extra to do this or to give this or to share this or enjoy this. What do I do with that? I just had God prove his power and faithfulness with something very easy to grasp, math. Because money, you know money is like pretty simple, right? Money problems even are simple, right? You know, even on a secular level, money problems are simple. Either, you know, earn more or spend less, right? There, I solved your money problems. Earn more or spend less. That's free. That was free today. You get that as a gift. It's my parting gift for you. But really, the beauty of it is I build my faith through finances, through money, because it's math. It's deeply, it's, it's math that's close to our heart because it's how we meet our needs. But it's basically math. And most powerful is once I see God's faithfulness and I mathematically show how this doesn't make sense, but we're okay and we're even blessed. Then when I have to trust him in the more complex areas and even the more significant areas of relationships, my marriage relationship with my spouse, maybe if God was faithful in the finances, which I saw, I was able to observably measure with math. Maybe if I step out in obedience in my relationship with my wife, God can bless, and God can do a miracle in our marriage. Maybe in my situation with my kids, where I don't know what to do, and the world is telling me to do one thing, I, but God's saying do something totally different, maybe I can actually trust him. And if he was faithful with the money thing, in, which is math, maybe he can be faithful to this much more challenging issue of relationships with my children, or relationships at work, or whatever it is. Finances are an opportunity to build that trust. And folks, the key to freedom, freedom has nothing to do with how much you make. And everything to do with how much you trust. Begin practicing financial faith right now and see what God does.
1: Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio as next time we'll continue in this series, Rethinking Impossible, which is available right now on demand when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Ratama Park, the we'll service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sundays at 9:30 and 11:15. If you'd like to call the church the number is 210-490-5262. As Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church and we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.